Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're going to talk about USC Trojan football, coming off four-game winning streak, heading into Oregon and UCLA. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde about this team, about the slow starts and the second-half comebacks and all that kind of stuff. So if you have any questions or comments, please send them in. Podcast at uscfootball.com. You can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways, 641-715-3900 is the number. Leave it a mailbox extension, 816 816- 646 that'll go to us play it and we'll play it on the podcast uh, you can also go to our website peristylepodcast.com click on the left side of the page you can leave a voicemail there please keep the voicemails brief if they're longer than a minute we're not going to play it just takes up too much time your questions the email questions should be brief as well i don't want to have to read three or four paragraphs uh and try to make your point so try to keep them brief and concise and we'll read them on the air you can also go to itunes.com slash podcast. If you want to subscribe on iTunes, leave us some, uh, some ratings on iTunes. Five stars would be great. A different way to get a hold of the show, a different way to rate the show and consume the show. So hope you guys enjoy that. And uh, without further ado, let's bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's up, coach? How are you doing, sir? Well, it's a, a chilly Monday morning, and I don't know where you might be. It's probably chillier wherever our, some of our listeners are, and it might be warmer or some of our listeners are, but it's Monday morning, Ryan. It doesn't make any difference what the weather is, just like last Saturday when, uh, or Friday night, excuse me, when the Trojans had to go to Colorado. you got to just sort of play in the weather they give you, and uh, they were able to do that and uh, survive that win. And uh, as I say, uh, it was a win, but, and we'll get through that later on, but, but yes, there's a big butt there, and uh, we're gonna not to, that kind of sounds weird, Coach. There's a big butt there, but there is a big butt, um, and so many of our questions this week kind of we're talking about that big butt. So we're gonna get to all that. Wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Uh, go to sctickets.com or give them a call at one eight hundred eight 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 seven two eight seven. If you need tickets for anything, you want to go to a concert, a different sporting event, theater. Actually, went to the Lakers game last night, Coach, and they. Uh, they actually won. The Lakers won. They're now two and eight, and we got free tacos because the Lakers won, and they held them under a uh, hundred points. So that was cool. If you want to go to anything, Clippers are doing well. Anything like that, <clears throat> you can go to sctickets.com, and they will hook you up. And uh, coach, so before we get into, it, we have a lot of questions today, but unfortunately, or fortunately, a lot of them have to deal with the same subject. Um, so we're going to get to that. But something you kind of brought up off the air about USC and their chances to make the Pac-12 uh, championship game now. So I want to talk about that. It was a crazy weekend in the Pac-12. And if you guys want to check out my, we do a Pac-12 podcast called the uh, Podcast of Champions. You go to Pac-12podcast.com, check it out. We'll talk all about the ramifications of everything that happened in the Pac-12 this week on that show. But for USC, you know, the fact that Utah lost was a, an encourage, and USC won was encouraging. It certainly was encouraging, especially when you, when you, you never expect a team to possibly lose. You know, anything can happen in uh, any conference. The Pac-12 is something special. But when, when, uh, Utah goes to Arizona, a team that, uh, USC, uh, beat last two weeks ago, excuse me, 38-30, and they're beaten down there in overtime by Arizona. And then a little bit later on in the day, you see Washington State beating UCLA, and then of course uh, Oregon goes into Stanford and they beat Stanford. Or did Stanford help beat themselves? But they didn't win, and Oregon got the W. It's quite an exciting day in Pac-12 football. USC had an exciting uh, night in Boulder with its win over the University of Colorado, 27-24. For some reason. USC doesn't like to cover the points. Uh, not that they should, and who cares about the gaming side of it, but they're a 20-point favorite over Arizona, and they're a 16.5-point favorite or a little bit more over Colorado, and they don't come close. Everybody's just taking a, uh, like I just did there, a sigh of relief in saying they won the football game, which you have to remember, 
everybody's trying to win, and USC has a big target on, on its back. And if you beat USC, it's sort of a plus for your entire season. But as we go back to that but, let's get into that. And let's discuss that conference standing because I'm a little bit confused. The way I figure it, Ryan, I don't believe USC has to win both of their games to win the Pac-12 South. No, you're and you're exactly right, Coach. And so just so many different weird things have happened. And USC and, and Utah are tied with two conference losses. And USC has a tiebreaker over Utah. UCLA has three conference losses. Um, USC's one other loss was to Notre Dame, obviously. Um, and USC and UCLA play each other. So both, so people are saying that, you know, some people are saying, oh, UCLA is the only team that controls its own destiny or something like that's not true. So USC and UCLA both control their own destiny. So that's, that's a hundred percent certain. Do you know that? Um, because they play each other at the end and there, there's only three teams vying for the Pac-12 South. USC's beaten one of those teams and plays another one. So that's why USC is in a good position. And I think the confusion comes, coach, where USC could actually go to Oregon and lose and still win the Pac-12 South if UCLA is able to beat Utah. Um, you know, certainly that's, that's something that's capable of happening. Now, I know I was getting a lot of tweets, coach, about that and people are worried. Well, what if this happens? What if this happens? Yeah, it's possible. I'm not sure if that's something that you should even be concerned about. A four loss USC team heading into the, the conference championship game where you know, you could lose a fifth in that one and lose a, you know, end up losing six games on the year. I mean, certainly, I mean, you want to try to make the South, but I think all the focus should really be on Oregon. But yeah, they don't, USC doesn't need to win out, but certainly controls its own destiny if they do win out. Good. I just wanted to straighten that point because most of the papers and articles I read or whatever are saying that they have to win two games to win the conference championship of the South. And I, I just say that's not true because they do control their destiny more than anybody else, assuming UCLA can beat Utah. So let's move on, and uh, just wanted to clear that, clear that up for everyone out there and make sure I was right, Ryan, in, in my interpretation of what needs to happen. Yeah, you know, there's other scenarios, like Utah could end up losing to Colorado at the end of the year. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that could potentially happen, but the important thing is USC controls its own destiny. The key game is USC and UCLA at the end of the year. Um, so yeah, so there's that. Uh, all right. Well, so like I mentioned, the, a lot of the questions are kind of dealing with the same topic. So I'm going to play you this voicemail question, coach, and we'll kind of go into that. And, uh, if I, so if we skip your question, I apologize because there's so many of them, they're kind of having to do with the same thing, but if ones have different kind of points in there, I'll try to read those too. But here's the first voicemail question to start us off. Hi, Ryan. This is Helen in St. Louis. Uh, this question is for coach Hyde. Coach, as we've all noticed, USC has really struggled in the first half, uh, particularly in the first quarter under Coach Helton. Conversely, under Sark, the team seemed to come out quickly only to fade as the game progressed. I have a theory as to why this may be happening, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, under Sark, it seemed that USC's mindset was to exploit their opposition's weakness right out of the gate. Sark always wanted the ball first, and it became apparent to me that he was interested in taking advantage of what he saw on game tape during the first two quarters. But when the other team adjusted, things didn't fare so well. On the other hand, Helton's USC team appears to show up flat and run very predictable plays during the first 20 minutes or so of the game. However, Helton's saving grace is that he comes back from halftime with a rejuvenated strategy, but only to fall short once again when the opposition adjusts during the fourth quarter. Uh, this may sound crude, but I've been paying very close attention to the play-calling formations over the course of the season, and I think that there is some validity to this. If you go back and just look at some of the the game tape, I really think that there is something to um, this thought. Uh, I might be totally off base, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on my theory. Uh, thanks, as always, for the show, and fight on. Well, thank you much uh, for calling. You know, uh, it's hard to tell uh, why some teams start off slow, and yet they're able to finish, and that's one thing that this USC team has been able to accomplish here this year is they've been able to finish strong and the well actually the third quarter has been one the past two weeks that they've come back and and played uh what i expect them to play the type of football they should play in fact this past weekend i think the only quarter they played the type of football that they would be happy with or what i call sc football except for the first drive of the game where they came up short and they got a field goal was the third quarter when they outscored Colorado 14 to zip and came back to make it a football game and then were able to finish at the end of the game. 
Now, this was not one of their better football games. The last two games, they survived. They call it surviving when you're not going into the football game with all the emotion that you normally have against Notre Dame or against Utah. You know, when they came through the Trojan Walk against Utah uh, for the Utah game, I, I'm out there broadcasting, and I said, you know, they got a little skip, extra skip to the walk. They weren't hugging too many babies or kissing their mothers and girlfriends. They were going in to take care of their job. And there's only a certain number of games that you can get at that high impact. If you it pitch. If you remember the one heartbeat, one team, one team, one heartbeat, all of that and all those slogans and the players coming out to the practice field and talking to the teams uh, team before the Notre Dame game and the Utah game uh, really does uh, build up a great uh, deal of emotional uh, part of the game of football. And then, of course, when they played Cal at Cal, they played Cal well enough to win in a game that was a tough football game, and Cal's a good football team. I recognize that, and I gave them credit for getting that win after playing the games that they played before them. Then the Arizona game, they did not, I don't think, come out to play. They might have come out and tried to be at that same emotional peak, but you just can't do it every week. You just have to be good enough to win. They they really shut down their running game without Wilson, the top their top running back, as far as at the University of Arizona, and they dropped behind. And I was saying, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen here? And the same thing with Colorado. But I never felt, and I'm going to tell you this honestly, I never felt that USC would lose either game. I felt that their athletes, they would wake up, they would come back, and they would win a football. They win these football games, which they were able to do. Now, I'm not telling you they weren't nail biters. I weren't telling you if they'd have caught a couple of passes, Colorado, they might have beaten them. Uh, and if they hadn't had some turnovers, USC had some turnovers in a couple of those games or blocked a field goal against Arizona and thrown a couple of streaks that Juju Smith caught that might have been different football games. But you just don't play at the same impact that you normally do. And I thought maybe they executed better in those early games and they executed the last two games. I thought their execution against uh, Colorado was not good. I loved their first drive. The uh, Cody was under center. They were running the ball out of an eye formation. They were dominating the line of scrimmage, throwing play-action passes, and went down, and I was disappointed they didn't get seven points. They ended up with a field goal on that. But then they somewhat changed from that, and they went to a different type of a lot of uh, it looked like, to me, confusion as far as a lot of substitution, a lot of formations got away from really what they, what their identity was supposed to be here as far as being a running football team and dominating the line of scrimmage. It went back to a lot of what they, I hate to say this, used to do. So I think they're trying to, or they try to do a little bit too much in the Colorado game. And then they got back to basics again and were able to get in back into the game and utilize as how simple the game is. As far as both of the touchdowns, the tight end and the pinner were the same play. Play action pass after you establish the run, you hit pinner on one in the flat, and the tight end was in the corner. They came back the second time, ran the same exact play with the fullback in the flat and hit McNamara in the corner. You can't cover them both. But if the game is simple, and sometimes you make it too hard, and sometimes you uh, confuse yourself, and uh, you're not beating, you're not getting beat, you're beating yourself. And I saw that a lot in this game. In fact, I mentioned on yesterday's Sunday morning show, in a way I was, in, if I was a player or a coach, I was embarrassed by our performance. And uh, it was, there was a freshman backup quarterback playing. I mean, <laughs> I mean this, I mean, really, Ryan, you know, here's a guy you should dominate and then their defensive identity, their, their identity on defense now is to get after you, uh, cause uh, havoc shut down everything, and they decided to do that in the third quarter. They weren't really attacking. The defensive line was really not playing aggressively. They weren't getting after it, and in the third quarter, they started doing that. They penetrated. They stopped big plays. They they got, what, six hacks in the game. They all of a sudden woke up, and this is what uh, they need to do early in the game because if you play this way against teams such as Oregon, with the dominance they are on offense and how they play the game of football, you don't catch up on Oregon. 
They their scoring drives this past weekend were two minutes, two and a half minutes, one minute, one minute and thirty seconds. It's so fast the way they run their offense, and I was very surprised how the way they dominated and confused Stanford's defense. So you're going to have to go there prepared to play Oregon, and you cannot stop start slow, or you're going to get in trouble. So I think it's part of waking up and a part of execution. And I think if you make a big point of it, they've got to come ready to play. So what the answer is, I don't know what the answer is. All I know is you you address it, you got to fire it up, you got to go out there and play. And I don't know if it's because you're kicking off or whatever it might be, but I don't think that makes a difference. You got to play on both sides of the football and you got to play aggressively. And I think the Trojans will go out and play aggressively this year. It's just playing in Eugene, which is a tough place to do. And right now, Oregon, Oregon is really playing good football. Vernon Adams is now adjusted to uh, what's going on with the Oregon offense. Yeah, he he can run the football. He throws the football really well. He's very accurate. They've got great skilled players and a lot of team speed, and they really dissect you. So this game, they better start off and start playing football at the beginning. But uh, as far as their last couple of games, as far as starting slow, they did, but they were able to come back and finish and win those football games, and that's all that counts. All right. Thanks for that one. Um, let's go to Peter. So he says, first-time question from a long-time listener. Well, thanks for listening, Peter. 1970 USC grad and former varsity crew. So he says, Coach Hyde had stated that he practiced in the evenings during the week before an evening game. Why isn't this technique followed? So this is this is regarding the sluggish play in the first half. Uh, our guys practice in the early morning at sea level in moderate temperatures. Colorado game is mile high at night in a different time zone with temperatures 20 degrees colder, almost freezing. Less oxygen in the air will make the kids sluggish. Colder temperatures will make metabolism slower. Different time of day plus different time zone will throw off performance. It takes time to adjust, and leaving on Thursday for a Friday game leaves precious little time for their bodies to adjust. Uh, it's an away game with Colorado uh, psyched up for a USC upset. Night practices in the week prior to the game would at least adjust the kids to colder temperatures and their internal metas- metabolism clock. Away game and psyched up opponents can't be controlled. Could somebody please get this message to Code Helton? He's doing a great job under extreme circumstances without the assistant coaches of his choosing. Thanks for uh, for those carping quit. A win is a win. Peter from uh, San Elisimo, a I don't know, sure where that is, but somewhere in California. <laughs> well, Peter, thank you very much, and uh, I, I just always believed is put my team in a in a practice situation on how you're going to play the game, the time of day, uh, the element you're playing under. If you can, uh, you remember when there used to be just nothing but grass, we used to flood our practice field so that we could practice. If we were going to play in the rain, we wanted to practice in sloppy weather. Now, we tore up our practice field pretty badly, but the crews would go out and fix it up for us as best they could. But it was just part of learning to run on that type of surface in the mud, play with a wet ball, and all of the above. Playing at a night game is the same thing. Your eyes uh, catching a football, looking up into the lights and catching a pun and all. It just makes sense to, to me. Now, I don't know if that's possible anymore. I don't know how their labs work or whatever, especially with their practice early in the morning. I guess they give them the afternoon for their labs and their classwork. So they're practicing under a different academic schedule that we did. We used to practice in the afternoon and most of our classes were in the morning. And we did. We did have a few uh, students that had to miss, miss night practices because of labs or whatever they had, but we understood that. But the majority of the players would practice, and we had to accustom our team to that type of situation. Uh, I noticed also in this game, and I don't know how many of you noticed it, I didn't think they had great uh, – their shoes didn't really match up to the turf they were playing on. They slipped an awful lot. You watch the USC players, especially on the defensive side of the football or on the offensive side trip or fall down because I'm not sure – their shoe, and I don't know what the turf was or the make of the turf or so on, but you've got to make sure your shoes are always compatible with the turf you're playing on. We used to take two or three different sets of types of shoes, and during our walkthrough or before the game, not before the game, but the day before the game, we would try these to make sure 
what shoe best fit the surface of the turf we were playing on, whether it's natural turf or whatever it is, that again is very important. All of these little things sort of add up. So uh, you've heard me just dwell and dwell and dwell about the time of practice compared to the time they play. They played eight night games, eight night games this year, and they practice at 8 o'clock in the morning. So to me, that is exactly opposite than what you should be doing as far as with your nutrition, your sleep habits, and all of the above when you perform. So I don't know if that has to do with waking up early or playing early and then coming through at the end of the game. I don't know. Doctors understand all of that. and But I have, and you know, Ryan, you've heard of doctors agreeing with us on what we've been saying regarding that. So I think that's something that Clay Helton should look at as well as other schools that practice in the morning. And you can't, the, the problem is, Coach, you can't change, like, yeah, oh, for this week, you're going to practice at night. You have a class schedule. That's something you have to do for the entire semester. So you make a decision when to practice, and you can't really change it because now players are practicing in the morning, so they have to schedule all their classes later. If you try to put practice later, then everyone's going to miss all of their classes. So you can't, that's not something you can change each week. No, you can't change that now. But you could certainly change it uh, next year. Yeah. You could certainly change it next year, and you could also check to see, like if you wanted to practice on a night, on a Wednesday night, how many people actually had Wednesday night classes or Thursday night classes. And you could basically, if you had five players that had Thursday night classes or Friday night classes, you could do it. You could have them come out and you could practice at the time in, in the evening. And you always had better practices in the evening. I always did because it was fresher and under the lights. You looked faster. It, it, to me, the kids like to practice at night. They really did. But uh, I don't know if they like to practice or get there at 530 in the morning either. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We got Tarek. He says, what will it take for USC to take each game seriously? You can only you can lose to anyone in the Pac-12. Well, you do take every game seriously. You really do. It's hard to say you don't take a game seriously every coach is worried about I, I tell you every single game I don't care if I'm favored by 50 points I don't know what team's going to show up for us and I've used this example many times I've walked around the locker room before a football game and I've said boy we're ready to play man our guys are ready to play I can hardly keep them in the locker room these guys are ready we went out on the field we stunk it up okay we just couldn't play we were over ready or it was false fire whatever and then there's times I've been in the locker room before where I say, uh-oh, this, uh, I'm worried about tonight. I don't know if these guys are ready to play. It's quiet. Some guys are sleeping by their locker. Nothing against sleeping by your locker, but uh, I said, this, 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 this is not what I want. And they went out and they played and they had the best game of the year. So it's hard to really figure a team in a group of young kids. Remember, these are young kids and when they're ready to play. And remember, this is a long season. Ryan, you know better than anybody. There isn't an off season in college football anymore. Uh, the season's over with. You start practicing for a bowl game. The bowl game's over with. Uh, you have the holidays. You come back in January, and again, immediately, you start your off season. Then you have spring practice. Then you have recruiting, and they use the players for recruiting. Then you have summer workouts, and you have summer school. It's just a... So these kids, it gets to be a long, long year. And you can't expect them to be ready at the same level every single week for anything. So, but it's, it's tough to read them. So you try to explain to them and you be honest with them. You never BS them. Because kids know when you're not honest to them. And if you're not honest to them, you know what? They don't start listening to you. And they don't believe you anymore. That's why I always say when you stink it up, tell them. We stunk them up. We stunk up last week. We got out coach, and I take responsibility for that and all our coaches. I look at all our coaches. And I say, you guys should take responsibility that you know you didn't play your best, too. And you can figure out the play that you blew and you played stupidly on. Like when I started seeing shuttle passes and the snap being wrong and, and running around and doing dumb penalties, stupid penalties. I mean, there's a, there's a play in the game that you helped contribute to this embarrassing performance. So you got to be honest with them. And they know they'd rather be told the truth than when you play them, tell them when we played a great game, you tell them how well they played, and they played up to their potential, and this is the type of football team we really are. 
You can't have false fire. It's got to be the real thing. You can't just go through the motions. And uh, players uh, and coaches, after bad performance, have to regroup. I know they're very fortunate to get a win, but next week we've got to be better than that or we're not going to get it done. And that includes in all the areas of college football, the substitution, use of the clock, use of timeouts, all the things that are necessary to be successful. Remember, everybody is trying to win, and there's so much parity that one play, one penalty, one timeout wasted can make a difference in a football game. Coach, good stuff. Let's. Uh, we got one more voicemail question here for you. I'm going to play this. Hey, Ryan, this is Eric in Georgia. Uh, what a comeback win for our Trojans. This question is for you, Coach Hyde. I hear Coach Helton week after week saying we didn't execute uh, or we just didn't execute. But then in the second half, we dominate but then still fail to put teams out of their misery. Are we a second-quarter football team? Or, excuse me, are we a two-quarter football team? Why these? Why with these great athletes are we not dominating from the first whistle? Let's be honest. This was Arizona and Colorado. I'm glad Coach Helton is winning games. But this is USC. We don't just win games. We punish and dominate teams and win games. Thank you and fight on. Well, you're right. You know, you come to USC and you know what's expected of you. As a Trojan uh you're going to one of the most elite college football programs and universities in the country. And you come there with the idea of knowing domination is what we talk about, dominate everywhere, everything we do. We get a little bit better every day in every way. That's the things you normally say to a football team. And we have to have a winning day because game day is every day, this type of approach. And you got to understand, too, that when you put your uniform on, how much it really means and who you're representing, representing not only yourself, but you play for the guy next to you and also for the alumni and the players that represented USC the many years of the tradition at USC. And again, it takes time to come back and be dominant again. When USC was so dominant under Pete Carroll, uh, he came along at a time when the Pac-12 wasn't as dominant or as, had as much parity as what it has now. On any day in the Pac-12, how many times did you say wow on Saturday when you saw the scores or watched the games? Wow, Washington State. Wow, Arizona. Wow this, wow that. So uh, you've got – it's harder to become a, a more dominant, pounding football team. But it starts with the players believing on what type of philosophy you've had. And you've heard me say this, so I'm not talking negatively. Over the past – couple of head coaches, it's been more of a passive type of approach of chess, wine and cheese, instead of vodka and, uh, and steak. Uh, and, vodka uh, and steak, yes, I like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and they really didn't, they talk about they want to keep things balanced, but it's, they're, they're the whole thoughts were passing game first and stats. How many passes does a receiver catch? How many touchdowns does a quarterback throw? Uh, the stats are, are important, but being dominant, being physical of what carries you through an entire season, and I believe they got away from that. So it's hard to bring that back immediately into a program. And these kids that are there, the freshmen are starting with it right away now under Clay Helton, but a lot of the guys that have been there for a long period of time are having to adjust to what that type of football really is. You sort of understand it through the way you practice, through through the way you talk, through the way you play, all of that portion of it. So that's what I'd like to see get back, as you would, back to playing great defense, simple and powerful dominating offense, and great special teams. And all of a sudden, you are dominant in college football, and you don't beat yourself. And right now, they're in what I call the halfway stage. They haven't made that commitment yet. As far as they're still, they're starting to run more of the eye. They're starting to run more of the eye power, but they haven't completed that series, and they're still running the spread all the time, but still running the run out of the spread. So they haven't completed series. What I mean by that is running the stretch, running the eye toss, running the power as they're doing, running counter off the power, running the complete bootleg you used to see. You don't see that anymore, and I don't know if that's because 
Clay Helton is hurt and can't run out there. They just a little do the little turnaround bootleg. But you don't see that anymore. You saw the back and the flat and the corner out. That's what they used to always do, score touchdowns, and now add the drag to that with the tight end coming across. Now you've got three guys to throw the football to and then have a counter coming back uh, to hold the backside out of your eye play so that the backside can't pursue that fast. Add a, the, the little screen that you see. Remember they used to run the middle screen and a couple of things to hold down the rush, attack the middle of the field, put a draw in there, and it's simple. Have the draw, play, action, pass. Not try to do too much because you're doing half soft things and you're doing half power things. This is my thought now. So I think if you're going to be physical, let's be physical. If you're going to be a wine and cheese guy, then be a wine and cheese guy. But it's hard to be both. I want the vodka steak guy. All right. Um, <laughs> Justin in, in the OC, kind of a similar question, but one of the points that he brought up is, do you think there's overconfidence in some of the reasons for the slow start the last couple of weeks? No, they don't have anything to be overconfident about. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm not overconfident as watching them play and talking about them. I know the coaches aren't overconfident. How can you be overconfident? I don't think they've won that much recently to be overconfident. They're in the thick of a race now, and they've put themselves in a position here where they can challenge for the conference championship. They went through some hard times, change of a coaching situation, and I think they're adjusting to the head football coach, and they're playing for a football coach where everybody's still talking about who's going to be the football coach, who's going to be the football coach. You know, they still have a lot of controversy surrounding the program, but the players are playing for themselves, and also I believe they're playing for Clay Helton. Clay Helton has a lot of pressure on him because he wants a head coaching position. The assistant coaches have a lot of pressure on them because they don't know if they'll even be a part of the USC football program, even if Clay Helton gets the coaching job. So they're worried about, okay, where are we going to live again? Where are my kids going to go to school again? What am I going to do during the holiday season? Because if they make that change then, you know, you have a lot of questions. So there's a lot of pressure on this football team still. A lot of pressure. It hasn't gone away. So the pressure isn't there just winning. The pressure is there on everybody for everything. So uh, it's it's uh, it's a delicate situation, yet it has it's all around being successful. And uh, somehow everybody has made the uh, statement that Coach Helton has to win out in order to win the job or get the job and beat UCLA. So we'll see what happens with that. But one game at a time, and this is a key game this week at Oregon. Let's go to Chandler in H-Town. He says, uh, do you think you can train a quote-unquote killer instinct in players, or is it something they come with? Sua Cravens and Juju Smith seem to seem like two of the few that truly will do anything to win. I'm just not sure the rest of the team has that desire. Uh, when was the quote-unquote decleater or monster hit across the middle? When was the last pancake block? I think Clay Helton has started a transformation of culture, but it's a long way from a quote, refuse to lose mentality and way of life. Is it coaching, players, or both? Frankly, the players need to act like they give a damn. I don't see it right now and haven't for a few years. Thanks for the podcast and keep up the great work. Fight on Chandler in H-Town. Well, you know, you got to have an attitude to play football. Some kids just have an attitude. You know, uh, I used to have to tell them, not, slow down now. You know, the game's on Saturday. Game's on today. Some guys go hard in every single play, no matter what's going on. They want to kick somebody's you-know-what. So you have to slow them down. They just love the game of football. I mean, it's just part of their life. I mean, uh, I remember coaching the Japan Bowl, and I was sitting on a bus. We were riding to the stadium. I won't mention the kids' names. And I asked one of them what his major was, and I'm finance, I'm finance coach. I'm this and that. I got a great, I'm, you know, got a 4-0 and all that. That's great. Congratulations. You'll be very good. Talked to the other one sitting next to me, and I said, well, what did you major in? He says, coach, I didn't major in anything. I majored in the NFL. He says, I, I won't play football. I'm not pretending anything, but I'm not a hat sailor. I'm not going to stand up there graduate and see how far I can throw my hat. He says, I want to get it in the NFL, and that's why I'm in college. And this guy came from a great university. And he did very success. He was very successful in the NFL, but that was his goal. So you've got some kids with all different attitudes. You've got some kids out there that are going to be medical students. You've got some kids out there that are going to major in the NFL. And you have to understand that when they come on campus. That's their goal. That's what they do. They take the academic classes because they have to. And uh, this is what keeps them on the field. 
So, you know, you, you have a little bit of everything on your football team, and you, you, and you have to be able to uh, hope that uh, the guys that want to major in the NFL are the type of guys that drive the guys to that are medical students and really are there for the academic purposes as well as the uh, football part of it. So you, your team is made up of a lot of different types of people with different attitudes. Uh, obviously, uh, more of the NFL type of players, the more successful you are, and I hate to say that's that's what you're looking to get. No, you want both. You want all. You want all to graduate, obviously, and you want to win all your games too. That makes it 100%, but it didn't. that's the fairy tale. That doesn't always happen that way. So uh, I would say that you've got to have guys with attitudes. You've got to have guys that love the game of football and challenge themselves daily to get better. And uh, then some guys play the game of football to get ahead. And you can't blame them for that because they're good enough to do that. And they have the athletic ability to take advantage of their of their academic work through that. But you've got to make sure that everybody's on the same page when it's practice time and, and study hall time and all of the above. But it's not an easy job to be a football coach. Certainly not, Coach. Um, let's move on. we got a bunch more questions to get to. Nick, Big Nick from Cypress. What's to know why the run, the run game was lackluster? And uh, coming into the game, Colorado was the worst pat, uh, run defense in the Pac-12. And, of course, uh, USC didn't have a whole lot of success running the football. Why, why do you think that was, Coach? Well, I think they wore the play out that they were trying to run. They had success earlier running inside and running off tackle. But, obviously, later on, they didn't have anything to counteract that except for the cut, not except when they threw that play-action pass, they had two scores on it, as we discussed earlier. You've got to develop that where you have the stretch play to the outside. You have the counter where it comes back across the defense to hold everybody in the backside. You have a, a toss sweep out of the eye, too, that you stretch to the outside because they don't fear Cody running the football. And they know that if they put pressure on Cody in the pocket when he's passing the football, he's not going to escape them like a Vernon Adams is going to do or somebody else. So you've got to be able to complete a series. You can't just run one play out of a certain formation. You've got to be able to have various plays, series, you call them, drags, post-court. You can run a complete passing game out of the same series. And you can't just keep jumping around from one to the other and, and not making, because every time you get an eye formation, they're going to do this. Every time you get in a power set, they're going to do this. Every time you get in a spread, they're going to do this or that. You can't have that. You're better off being in one formation. This is my philosophy only. One formation and saying, how are they playing us in this? If they take this away, we do that. You can't stop at all if I have better athletes. And USC, we all agree, has as good as any athlete, athletes as any team we play. Or USC plays. So you've got to be able to play chess that way and know exactly who you match up with who and if they stop this run, we do that run. If they do this, then we do that. And you keep them guessing the entire time so they don't really know what's going on. All right, Coach. Uh, we actually had a uh, question. Chris in Cambria was along the same line. So, Chris, thanks. We're, you know, you basically, we, I think Coach covered all that stuff. Um, the G had a, a question, a little bit different take, I guess. Uh, he says, uh, Coach, boy, we like comebacks, but this is getting ridiculous. This team is fighting, no doubt about it, and has shown the ability to gut out a win. But once again, this is Colorado. What happens when we play the Ducks or who CLA? Uh, you put who CLA. Uh, Coach, what, from your unique perspective, does this team need to do to avoid digging themselves into a hole in the first half and having to climb out of it in the second half, desperately seeking stability, the G? Well, uh, I think we've covered a lot of this. First of all, you've got to uh, not allow your opponent the opportunity to start fast. You've got to be able to come out with the intensity and the necessary alignments and play your type of defense at the beginning of the game. Go after people and know who you are. This is who we are. Not wait to become who you are. Not wait to do certain things at a certain time of the game when you have to do them just to catch up. Keep, it, keep teams off balance from the very beginning. Don't let them figure out what you're doing. 
I think you have to do that on the defensive side of the football. And I think on the offensive side of the football, you have to start with a philosophy of what you need to do and come in with a game plan, as they obviously do, and maintain that. Don't get away from it. Remember, every play is not going to score a touchdown, but learn from every play that doesn't work and what you should call. And continue ball control, play great defense, play great special teams, which they're not playing great special teams. I mean, when you punt the ball five times for a 38-yard average and kick the ball right down the middle of the field to Spruce, and he runs it back for a touchdown, well, is that great special teams? Obviously, it's great that Devon Simmons blocked that field goal. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about consistent special teams where there is no breakdown. And I've been so proud of the kickoff team at USC, because the ball hardly ever goes into the end zone at the depth where there's no run back, and yet they're the number one coverage team in the conference. But to have that one breakdown when the player ran by and was out of his lane and the guy got that great field position coming back, golly, please, guys, you can't allow that type of stuff. you got to smack them on every play and play your position. So uh, – I think that's what they have to do. They have to play their style of football the entire game. Are we going to be smash mouth? Are we going to be aggressive on defense? Are we going to care about our special teams? What are we going to do? And you got to take that philosophy, live with that philosophy, and be good at what you do. All right. Uh, let's go to let's go. This is Brian. He says, uh, "What's good, Coach?" And co- uh, what's, I'm sorry. What's good, Ryan and Coach Hyde? This is Brian. From Beham, SC fan in SEC country. I don't understand these negative comments toward the coaching staff and team over the last two games. We won. It wasn't a pretty win, but it's not like we're playing for a playoff spot. Style points are insignificant at this point. Coach Helton has done an amazing job of winning the last four games, despite the injuries and turmoil surrounding the team. We are currently on the third string center, and the power back, premier receiver, and secondary are all banged up. Yet we're still in contention to win the Pac-12 South. Some fans wanted to feel if the team had the, I'm sorry, wanted to know if the team had the grit to win from behind. Now the team has two come from behind wins. Wanted to get Coach Hyde's thoughts. Well, I agree with you. They've had their series of injuries. It's amazing how they talk about injuries everybody else has. Oh man, that this team doesn't have any defensive players, and this team lost this player and that player. But it seems as though the media, in most cases, doesn't realize or care about how many players USC has lost. They have lost probably as many or more than a lot of teams in town and other places. And they've they've adjusted to what they've needed to do, and people have stepped up and played, and as our caller mentioned, uh, won football games. It's a difficult thing to do, yet they've been able to do that. And they've got a lot of freshmen and kids playing on the field that don't have the experience of some of the players they've lost. They've lost two offensive centers. They've lost now two linebackers. So, uh, they've, they've lost, well, let's don't get through all they've lost, but they've lost a lot of people. So to be in the position that they're in right currently now, as far as winning four straight, being in first place in the Pac-12 South, uh, that's exactly what, at the beginning of the season, you would have said that's exactly where we want to be. Now, you've lost a couple of games you feel like you shouldn't have lost, and I agree with you 100%. I don't think you should have ever lost to Washington. Stanford uh, was a good game, and you could have won that game, but you didn't because they controlled the ball the entire game. 40 minutes to 20, they just ball-controlled USC to death. In the Notre Dame game, I feel with more practice time, could have gone maybe either way, and Notre Dame's proven out now to be a pretty good football team. So you're in first place in the South with a coaching change, a lot of injuries, and all of the above. So I would think right now, uh, if you were back in September thinking about all the things that happened, you might be pretty happy. Now, again, you want to play at a level of competition that you're expected to play at. And they haven't played consistently. I think that's what, what everybody's saying. It hasn't been four quarters of the same USC Trojan offense, defense, special team. It's been up and down, up and down, and not that consistent, which is something that I agree with 100%. You've got to play more consistently. You can't just jump around with things and and do some of the things we all see. So uh, what can they do different? Nothing. They just got to heal up, the ones that can heal up, 
the ones that can't heal up, uh, they'll be on the sideline and be in their Red Cross jerseys. I remember I used to put players in Red Cross jerseys at a time when I thought they had a hangnail. They didn't want to play, so so nobody would hit them. They'd wear. I had Red Cross jerseys made, oh. so that they could wear those and still be a part of the team and be out there. And people knew they were injured, but uh, not in the negative way, just in a way of distinguishing they're part of the team and they're what do you want to call wounded warriors? I guess I should say. Gotcha. And. And uh, but you know you got to regroup. You got to go. Everybody's banged up now. Now some teams are very fortunate, and they don't they don't have the injuries that you might have at USC or UCLA's had or some of these other teams. But what's your choice? You got to play the game, and you know what it's for. So there's no reason of uh, like talking about it, like talking about how cold it is in Colorado or this or that. Who cares? Just go up there, and we got to play the football game, guys. Let's go. Let's get it done. So, you know, I think that's the answer for that. I, I it's difficult to answer the question. You know, All I know. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Coach. Um, well, we got two more. We'll let you go. Percy says, "Can you please ask Coach uh, how he would communicate with his offense about how to establish a series of plays? It seems like this offense is geared towards big plays. They don't have the patience to run, run, short pass. It's all or none with them." Well, you know, that's part of a philosophy that you start at the beginning. You, you know, everybody knows what our philosophy is. Our philosophy is to be productive on offense. Our philosophy is, yes, we don't, you know, yes, if we score in a big play, that's great. But we don't need the big play. We're going to ball control. We're going to beat him to death. We're going to have him surrender. That, that, that is my theory is the old-time type of football coach. Now, today, younger coaches don't have that type of philosophy because you know they never played in that type of system they, they don't know what the heck i'm talking about or you're talking about when you talk about being physical hard they've all been playing all this spread run read zone read option and so on and so they don't really know what it is really to to be where you knock somebody off the ball you run blast with the fullback leading right on the linebacker and there's a collision there like an accident on the freeway two head-on collisions uh that football is sort of disappeared, but yet the teams that are successful that have the toughness to do that and work those drills uh, develops the pride in, a, in, a, in an offense to, to get it done. And I think that type of football is still out there. And I think kids, when you teach kids how to play that type of football and you recruit kids, you look for those type of kids. They like collisions. They like to be physical. They like the game of football. And that's what the mentality of this game is. You're a gladiator. And uh, and you're a different type of person. You really are. It's people don't understand. These kids are different people. They're not the normal student. They're students that that have to compete in the classroom and still utilize all the energies that they need to on the on the field. And even sometimes being booed at. And I hate that being booed at. So they they are special type of kids. Yet they're kids. They're big, 290 pounds. But they're kids, so you have to train these kids into what exactly you that they that you expect from them, and you get to let them get away with anything. It's the same thing. I'll get away with whatever I can, as long as you let me. And you can't allow that in any form of discipline in any area. Would you run your company like that? Let me tell you what would happen with your company if you played just in the third third day of the week. <laughs> I mean, how many of you out there would tolerate that? And you're asking me, well, how do you get your workers to work every day of the week? Hey, it's not easy to think that about that, is it? So you've got to be able to have an approach where that happens. So most of you are successful business people out there that have to manage people. Well, how do you manage them to be successful? It's the same thing on a football field, except these are kids and not adults. So that is the way I'm saying it. You've got to just be, you've got to bring them along and you've got to discipline them and you've got to make sure they understand what you're teaching and why you're teaching it. And then they say, oh, okay. And then they understand. All right, I got one last one for you, Coach. John in Brea, he says, this is a week when the Peristyle podcast is like a magic elixir. It's the only thing that can calm my nerves and soothe the dull ache I feel. 
as it seems that every USC victory feels a bit like a defeat. Obviously proud of the team coming back in the second half, but I'm still waiting for them to pull all three phases of the game together. Maybe it will be next week. This question is for Coach Hyde. One incredibly bright spot in every game is the play of Sua Cravens. He's a joy to watch, and every week he makes a play that impacts the outcome of the game. Do you think it's time Coach Helton and Coach Wilcox put him at safety and just let him freelance? His instincts might be better than any scheme or defensive play call. Thanks for taking the time to answer my question, and thanks for the dose of sanity. Fight on, John and Brea. Well, I'll tell you what, you should be doing the show with me. <laughs> uh, how long have I been saying that, Ryan? I mean, a long time. The reason I say that, why do you take your best defensive player? And I'm telling you, he's a superstar. Okay, I love it. I would uh, never let anything happen to that kid. He's a true winner. and Not that others aren't, but he's a true champion. Okay. He's a spokesman for the team. He's a leader. He demonstrates it on the football field as well as in the classroom and also in meetings and media day and all the things that the kids have to do. But when you put a kid on just one side of the field, you limit him on, you know, just how much he can get involved, yet he's one of the leading players on the defensive side of the football. Put him in the middle of the field. Now he can go both sides and be a leader and line people up and encourage everyone on towards the side he's playing on. And in the middle of the field, he's playing all sides. And he's going to be uh, a safety in the NFL, and he knows that, so you'd help prepare him for that. And it's hard for me to believe you don't have someone else on that roster that can play that position over there. I mean, it, it is when you can put him and have him uh, be in the secondary. But, of course, the coaches put their personnel where they think they should be. Uh, I am second-guessing that situation right now when I say this, so I can't say I'm not going to second-guess them. But I'm just giving you my opinion that that's what I would do, too. So it's a good observation. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. Uh, a lot of questions, a lot of people wondering what's going on with this team. We'll know a lot more after this weekend uh, when they take on Oregon. So thanks again for coming on, and uh, it, was, it was a fun show. Thank you very much, Ryan. Take care, and then everybody out there, uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. And I want to just say and shout out to a regular listener, Dan Angeloff. Happy birthday, Dan. I understand you had an 80th birthday party. So, hey, buddy, congratulations. Oh, happy birthday, Dan. That's awesome. So thanks for that. Thanks, Dan, for listening and everyone else, and thanks for all the questions. Thank you, Coach, and everyone. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. And here's a quick message from Southern California Ticket. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.